what's up everybody it's time for another ghost cult magazine podcast i'm your host keefe today's podcast is an interview with burton c bell of ascension of the watchers check it out the ghost cult magazine podcast welcomes in the great burton c bell of ascension of the watchers how are you doing sir Great, Keith. Good talking to you. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, great to catch up with you. It's been a minute. Uh, super excited about this brand new Ascension of the Watchers. Awesome. And uh, uh, yeah, like so, so many things to unpack and talk about. Of course, we're living in a weird 2020. It's such a weird time in the world. So I try to start some of these interviews and just make you know, hopefully you're well, your family, friends, band, everybody's well because you know, as much as I want to talk about music and art and you know, high concept things, I just want to. Make Make sure on a basic human level you're good <laughs> well i appreciate your thoughts yes um my wife and i are well my my kids are well um, my family is well and all, most all, all my friends are well so thank you and uh i really hope the same for you and yours yeah, we're hanging in, man. You know, it's been it's been a lot, but um, I'm thankful. Yeah, for it's, it's been a very taxing year. Yeah, it feels like ten years all at once. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, but on a plus side, I've been thankful. We've had a lot of great music come out and more to come still. So uh, I know you've been working on this album for a while and you, uh, it's been a little bit of a new element added to the band. I wanted to start off by talking about sort of the new configuration of the group and sort of the genesis of when you guys started tracking and working on this record. Sure, sure. Let's do it. Uh, well, um, so as you know, um, um, well, most people might not know that uh, I've been working on this album for 12 years. Uh, the last record was released in 2008 off of uh, 13th Planet, and uh, that that was called Numinosum. We played some shows. Uh, we opened up for Killing Joke, for instance, uh, in New York a couple times, and we did a Chicago show with them. Uh, we did some smaller shows in the area on the East Coast. Um, but it wasn't until New after Numinosum was released is that the way we sounded live was not captured on Numinosa. And so my thoughts on the next Essential Watchers album would be to capture that live sound that was just so, like, it, was, it just was so strong and it was just uh, uh, more, made more of an impact to me than the last album did. So the idea uh, of recording the next album was to make it more of like a live uh, feel where it's just more everything was just more present um, had more of an impact uh, and just was just sounded great so uh, you know we, we I've been demoing songs since then first track I actually the first song I actually demoed for this album was Storm Chrome um, like 10 years ago maybe maybe 11 years ago and uh, we just built so every time I would demo a song uh, I would you know I would write a song when I was feeling something uh, um, feeling a certain way experience had some kind of poignant experience in my life I'd sit down on the guitar or, or sit down on the piano and I would just start writing uh, whatever I was feeling and whatever chords resonated I start building and arranging a structure for each song and then once I had a structure for the song I would demo it either at John's house in Pennsylvania 
or at a, a dues apartment in Brooklyn. And I did that for 10 years. Uh, it wasn't until I met Jace Lewis uh, that, well, I met Jace Lewis back in 2005 through MySpace, but we just can really communicate. It started really communicating in 2015, and uh, he was telling me he was building a studio. I was like, oh, that's great. It's in Wales. I was like, oh, one, hopefully I'll get to be there one time. Uh, but it was a, like 2016, I had an opportunity. No, 2017, I, have, I had an opportunity to be in Wales uh, after he recorded, you know, after he finished building his studio. So he invited me over and I had my guitar. And so we, uh, I demoed two more songs that I had not demoed yet, which was Ghost Heart and... Uh, the end is always the beginning so I wanted to demo those songs at his place so I spent two weeks there uh, demoing those songs uh, completely so uh, it was after that is that when I realized you know, Chase has to come into the fold. He is he he's the perfect uh, he's one he's a great friend, one of my best friends, and he uh, understands where I'm coming from. He understands what wants to happen. He 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 feels the same way. So it wasn't really till Jace came into the fray that the sound of Essential Watchers and this record really came into play. Uh, you know, he he had built a modern analog studio in Wales that was just the perfect in the perfect setting and the perfect studio that I wanted to achieve uh, the sound for and you know so it took 12 years but it, that's what it took to make this record nice man thank you for sharing that and of course you know John of course uh, you know for a long time he's worked with you in other bands of course people know John from his work with Ministry and Prong and <laughs> on your records yeah. Jace's uh, you know reputation precedes him and uh, what a you know like I, I love the last record I remember we chatted about it back then but this record's definitely a, a different animal slightly still the same I think high concept of the band but you're I, I, I agree I think there's a lot of depth here that Jace has yes. probably I'm guessing that Jace has brought in and you also you know I think you know as you as you you grow you change your songwriting taste change and what you're into changes but uh, yeah this is a very deep record like all the way through yes it's a deep record it's a very personal record uh, like I said, each song was inspired by a personal event in my life that impacted me so much that I, I had to write about it. Uh, so this record is a, you know, there's is a snippet of my of ten snippets of my life over the past ten years, uh, telling a story. So we recorded in a way that uh, you actually experience this journey that I've been you know, that has been a part of our lives and my life mostly for ten years. Um, you know, this is the most personal record I've ever written, uh, and it's to me it actually reflects my personality more so than any record I've ever done. Wow, that's heavy. Um, <laughs> and says yeah. a, says a lot. You've made quite a lot of music over the years, so that's that's a lot to process a, a little bit as a fan and uh, journal. But um, yeah, man, it is it is quite a thing, and, I, and you can definitely feel as you listen to the tracks. I I, I do feel like a little bit in the streaming age, we've lost uh, a little bit. I still love whole albums, and I love really well thought out, you know, concept albums. And I like how this record, like you know, we talked about depth, but like as the record goes toward the 
the end, as you get to those last few songs, it definitely feels like, you know, in in uh, drama or writing, there's the denouement, right? The point after the climax, right? The come down, the processing part, the decompressed part. So I really love that kind of, you know, that. Oh, that's very, that's, I'm glad you noticed that because that's exactly how I, uh, I wanted to make this album. You know, I'm inspired by films a lot. I'm inspired by soundtracks a lot. And so I wanted to make this a soundtrack uh, to the past 10 years. Uh, I wanted to really convey the, the moods and the tones that I want to express. Um, and so I call this, you know, if someone asked me what, what genre would you put this record in? I go, I just say it's cinematic because that's how I, that's how I see it. That's how I see when I'm driving and listening to like the demo versions, I'd love listening to it while I'm driving because it creates, it just flows with the landscape as, as, I, as I'm driving around, driving through the country or through the desert, no matter where I'm driving, it becomes a soundtrack. It just fits so well. So yeah, it's, the mood is, mood is probably the biggest, it's the most important aspect of this record. Nice. Um, I was going to ask just because I'm I go for the low hanging fruit always as a writer. Um, is there is there a double entendre there in bells of perdition, as in Burton C bells of perdition? <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. That's uh, it's uh, that's you know I wanted to as a writer. That's you know we all have some sort of you know little something a little even more personal or something tongue in cheek there. And, uh, bells of perdition and this is these are my bells and so they're these bells are tolling for me very well very well thanks for humoring that um, <laughs> um welcome i know um yeah writers often my writing coach also once said to me that like, writers live to amuse themselves with jokes no one will ever hear or get that's that's i've never thought about that yeah. no i've never heard that but it's very true yeah um I love that you mentioned at the top, you were talking about Jace's studio, and I caught that you mentioned modern analog. So again, this record does sound very, you know, co you know, uh, contemporary, but also I love that uh, you mentioned that phrase sticks out to me. Obviously, you know, technology has been a theme in your whole career and life. And interestingly, just like as a recording artist, you've been kind of a time traveler. You started in the era of two inch tape. Now things, right. now things, you could do things digitally or in person. Obviously you have an international lineup of band people. So, you know, it's it's interesting to me. Um, what would be if you had to say what are, what are the advantages of the studio Jace has built, and what did that bring to the project now? Well, for me, analog has always sounded better. Uh, there's you know there's the, the the technology and the the the, the developments of technology throughout the music industry. The sole purpose of the technology that's created is to make recording easier. But at the same time, making it easier, you are losing aspects of music. Mostly what you're losing is one, craftsmanship. And two, you're losing frequencies below and above that digital technology cannot capture, that analog, only analog ca could capture. And so I believe that we are losing depth 
in music. There's a lot of depth missing in music today, modern music. So I wanted to capture something that reflected a time period where music just sounded full, and you could hear every frequency of, of low tones. You could hear every frequency of the high tones without being compressed to a, form, to a point where everything just sounds the same. It's the modern analog that created the depth. And that is exactly why uh, North Stone Studios was the perfect candidate. Nice. Uh, yeah, I definitely hear those things. Uh, I was going to say, I actually really heard a little bit of that come through in the bass, which, you know, uh, anytime I hear like a very fuzzy, buzzy bass, of course, I think of Paul, uh, who clearly, you know, left an impact. I know he was your friend and, you know, yes, collab- collaborator on the first records and, uh, you know, and then you guys supported Killing Joke right at, you know, it was just, a, I still feel his loss as a fan. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, there's a little bit of his presence on this record, too. Oh yeah, um, Raven. You know his. He was a great bass player. His the tone of his bass was just fantastic. So yeah, Raven's always in our thoughts. And uh, you know, when it comes to the bass, you know, um, writing the bass lines, we think, well, what would Raven do? <laughs> so we try and do what Raven do. See if we can, uh, you know, if we can channel his spirit into us. If it happens, I don't know, but we do our best. Right on, right on. Uh, and then just kind of uh, delving back into the tracks a little bit more. Like I said, I definitely felt that journey through the record. Um, you mentioned Stormcrow being the first song you wrote and, you know, uh, on the original Go Pass on this record. Um, what were some of the other more recent tracks, uh, like sort of the late, last tracks that you put together for this album? The last track that was written was Ghost Heart. Okay. The one before that was The End Is Always the Beginning. Uh, no, actually, no. Wanderers was the last track written for this record. Ghost Heart was written was written before that. Then, then the end was always the beginning. Uh, so Stormcrow was the first. Key to the Cosmos was the second. Um, Cygnus Aeon was the third. Um, oof, Bells of Perdition was fourth. Oh, I'm forgetting the album song titles now. Um, uh, Wolf Interlude was uh, fifth. Honore was sixth. Yeah, and then Ghost Heart, The End Is Always Beginning, Wanderers. I think that's ten. So, yeah, I was experimenting with sounds the entire time, experimenting with arrangements the entire time. I wanted to, you know, obviously... This is a, not a linear album. It, it, there's a lot of different moods. Uh, there's nothing sounds the same, and that's because you know every song is different. Every song reflects a different mood, a different aspect of my life, a different moment in my life. So of course, there's a different aspect. Everything's gonna sound different. Right on. Uh, and I love that you uh, also said at the top, you talked about, you know, when you go to compose, it's either guitar or keys. Has that changed over the years? Just, uh, you know, as you progressed as a musician, like what do you what do you reach for first and why? Is it just depending on the what's in your heart or just? Yeah, specific? it depends what's in my heart. You know, um, sometimes it's not a guitar. Sometimes it's just a melody or chords uh, that, that, that I've that are on the piano so it's, it's it's either or but it really depends on what i'm feeling honestly 
Nice. Uh, and then uh, you said, um, you know, obviously, it's been just such a, a long arc, and obviously, this has probably you know changed beyond what you had envisioned. Would you say you are surprised? I'm, I'm sure you're happy with it, but would you say you're surprised at where you ended up from where you started over this long period of time, or did it uh, turn out as you expected? Well, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised, and uh, the, rep- the recording exceeded my expectations. So I'm very, very pleased. I, I did have high expectations, but uh, Chase just, just he, he just made it something completely uh, more than I expected, and I, I'm loving it. Nice. Uh, and I also wanted to take a second and just uh, discuss the artwork for a second because, you know, it's a definitely a very, you know, very well-matched piece of art to the album itself. You know, it's a very com- well, thank you. a very compelling image of uh, sort of a, a seraphim there on the on a lake with a little mountain in the fuzzy background. Uh, I'm not so, doing it any justice with my terrible description, but people will see the image. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good description. And uh, <clears throat> it, 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 it did go through... Uh, different, um, you know, incarnations. Uh, as you, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but we did a pledge music campaign at the in 2018, and uh, which was ramping up for us to record. Uh, but to promote that pledge campaign, uh, the only title I had, well, the, the working title I wanted was Stormcrow at the time because Stormcrow was the is the harbinger of messages. It, he was bringing the message from across the universe and everything that was written after Stormcrow was the message that was brought to me. So um, for me, artwork uh, is is always part of the entire package. And I, I do think out everything uh, to the full extent. I, everything's well thought out of. And so when I came to do this album cover, um, you know, not only did the album title change as the album progressed because Stormcrow just didn't fit, wasn't a, 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 a bet, wasn't a good description. It's a good album title, it's a good song title, but it wasn't a good description for the entire album. Uh, we just, I decided on Apocrypha because Apocrypha really seemed to really match what was going on with the evolution of the recording process. Um, when it came to the album cover, there was this one image. I found online a long time ago and it stuck with me and I saved it. It was a photograph by a South African artist named Nick Brandt. And it's a, uh, it's a photograph. It's, it's like a black and white photograph of uh, a dove that's been, that's mummified in salt off of a, a salt lake in South Africa somewhere. And it's just a very amazing photograph. So I contacted um, the artist, Nick Brandt, uh, asking him the possibility, what would it take to you know, use this as an album cover? Uh, he came back to me and he was very respectful and he respectfully declined saying that he doesn't want his album, you know, his artwork used for music. I get it. So, um, I was like, okay, I got to regroup. So, uh, using that photo and, uh, other pieces of reference I found that I really liked, showed it to the artist, Matthew Grundy, who ended up doing the album cover. And uh, we discussed, okay, um, this is what I'm looking for. So uh, this is something I've always done my entire career. I've discussed and talked about art uh, and the possible album covers for each album I've ever been a part of. 
this was true with uh, uh, Dave McKeon, true with Steve Niles, true with Tom, you know, uh, Tom from T42 Meet, uh, T42 Designs. Every artist ever worked with has been true. So Matthew, I was able to really convey what I was looking for, and Matthew came back with these with a few different uh, compositions. And when I saw that one, I go, "That's it. That is apocrypha. That is it. That that positioning and that feeling is really conveying the 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 sentiment of of, of a watcher really." Being for mercy uh, uh, to uh, to to someone that's not listening, really. There's, it conveys an emotion. It conveys almost a sadness. And it wasn't until after the album cover was done, I go, "Holy shit! That could be the Azazel that the Enoch was talking about, the fallen watcher that took the band of angels down to uh, to Earth to abandon heaven. That could be Azazel, for all we know. So it just kind of all worked out." you know serendipitously but it just the album cover just really resonated the whole feeling of the album so i'm glad you like it yeah of course thank you so much for that in-depth answer and shout out to steve niles i've always been a huge fan um fuck yeah he did uh the transgression yep album cover which uh he nailed it i just love what he did yeah one of my favorite artists and writers ever and uh texas guy although punk rocker he was at bands he's great um just just for a last question man you've been terrific i really appreciate it as much as of course i love this record and i'm hopeful you'll we'll get more of them and i'm sure everybody else is going to ask about the band you're most known for but what i wanted to ask was do you think there'll ever be a a time for you to revisit other projects you've done like uh you know city of fire or uh you know work with geezer butler or anything like that ever again uh well city of fire uh you know that was we did two great records uh, unfortunately neither of them are available uh, but uh, i think that that band really uh that band does uh, traveled its course that's done um gzr i wish uh, they you know they decided to get a different singer for their second album and third album so uh i would you know if i was invited to it i would can definitely consider it wonderful man i appreciate that answer and of course burton i always appreciate talking to you congrats on this new record i hope to get more new music from you in the future and uh, continued best of luck man uh, Keith, thank you so much for this interview. And like always, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Indeed. Take care, man. Peace. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.